The CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour. I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander. And on tonight's podcast, via Skype, I am joined by Alexi Bulwark, the baseball fan and OSU alum I know. Alexi, how's it going, man? How's Oklahoma City? Calvin, what's going on? It's good to good to be with you again. Have a good podcast. Uh, Oklahoma City is good. Uh, it's been a weird winter. The weather has been very inconsistent as usual, but uh, everything's good down here. So I made this joke the last uh, podcast I had, but is there snow on the ground and is it below 32 degrees? <laughs> there is no snow on the ground um, today. I don't know if I don't think it was below 32 degrees. It, <laughs> Who knows? You wake up in the morning, it's like 30, then you go and you go to lunch, it's like 50 degrees. So you really never know. Typical Oklahoma weather, just changing every <laughs> five minutes. Can't can't blame it at exactly. all. I think there's like a Woody Guthrie quote about that. Anyways, um, so Alexi, got to talk here about the Oklahoma State basketball team as well as MLB cheating scandals and a little bit of other news and notes around the MLB too. So without any, without any pausing here again, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Mike Boynton is 0-6 to open up Big 12 play, and he has faced some some tough opponents. Don't get me wrong. He's faced Baylor at home, Texas Tech on the road, but also Texas at home and Iowa State on the road, which those two games I would think be more winnable when you had a top 20 recruiting class coming into this season. Now, I know one of the guys in that factor of the top 20 recruiting class was Marcus Watson. He has yet to see the floor. There's rumors that he's in the transfer portal, and there's a bunch of stuff legally going on with him as well. So I'm not necessarily harping too much on the like the recruiting class rankings, because then again, it is recruits. You don't know what you got until they play. Um, so I'm not going to harp too much on that, but it is it is annoying that this is the third year of Boynton, and we haven't really seen any uptick. And it, I feel like Lindy Waters, Cam McGriff, and Thomas DeZogla are pretty much the same guys, you know, I, maybe even a little bit worse than what we saw at the end of last year, almost out of rhythm. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Calvin, you you really touched on a lot of the things that I was thinking too. I mean, you look at it and, and here's what I'm thinking. You go into this year, it's boy. You said it's Boynton's third year. Yep. It's third year. It's his third year. Um, I mean, at this point, yes, he's done great recruiting. Um, you can't really blame him for the past couple of years as he took over um, Brad Underwood's team and you know goes into this. But he he's taken he he's done well recruiting, like I said. But this was the year I felt like he had to at least take off a little bit more, make some improvements, make the tournament, whether it be you know a nine seed between a nine and a twelve seed, anything, just get into the tournament. You had a lot of senior guys coming back, like Dezagua, Cam McGriff, uh, Lindy Waters. Then, of course, the return um, duo of uh, Likely and um, Blanket on the big guy's name right now, Yorne. Um, yeah. I just felt like there was enough pieces to have a nice year, build the momentum for next year for when we have Cade Cunningham, Cade Cunningham in, um, in Stillwater. And I just feel like it's been a big letdown. You know, I, I had a lot of expect- big expectations for this team. Um, we went into the early part of the season really looking well. We looked really well. Um, that Brooklyn Classic tournament we had where we, we blew out Syracuse and blew out Ole Miss. I mean, 
if you're if you weren't excited about that, then you're crazy because that looked like the, the legit team that we were going to have this year. And we've really gone into the Big 12 play, and we've just laid a dud. And it, it's really disappointing. Um, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if it's just if it's coaching, if it's players not playing to expectations. But I will say this: college basketball home court advantage is so huge. I mean, you see teams that shouldn't have a chance in a game win because of home court advantage, or at least keep it close. And Oklahoma State hasn't defended their home this year, which is very disappointing. They've lost so many home games. I've looked at their record. I actually have it pulled up right here. At home this season, the Oklahoma State Cowboys are, and sorry, it's it's loading. Oh, here we go. Yep. The Cowboys are five and five. That's that's major disappointment. That's a major disappointment to me. I that's no excuses there. Um, you gotta defend your home court, especially in Big Twelve play. No excuses is is the perfect way to put it. So far, Oklahoma State has lost um, you know, I guess three, so half of the conference games at home have been against ranked opponent, or excuse me, yeah, ranked opponents, um, yeah, ranked opponents here, excuse me, and Oklahoma State only scored 40 against TCU, only scored, you know, 41 against West Virginia, only scored 50 against Texas Tech, and then, you know, before then, you know, only scored 66 against Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota's beat them by 20. Mm-hmm. Texas mm-hmm. Tech beat us by 35 at, you know, at Texas Tech, I understand. Um, and then the Baylor game looks pretty good, and the Iowa State game gets to be very annoying because the one of the top graphics in the nation, Tyrese Halliburton, who I hadn't heard of before last night's game, at least a lot. I Maybe I heard him in passing on ESPN. But, you know, I, he goes off for Iowa State last night, and we can't guard the inside. What? What is so annoying to me, though, is is that I'm, I'm with you 110%, and they plan, I think uh, you and I were thinking along the same lines here, of this is Boynton's third year, let's make some progress, let's get in the tournament on the third season, and see what this team is. See who we are in the tournament, under pressure, etc. That way, when Cade comes in, it's kind of like, alright, this team took the first step with freshmen, with sophomores, understandable that, you know, Lindy and Dezog were gone, in Cameron Griff, but you, you make that next step next year with Cade and you figure it out because not only Cade, but also Rondo Walker, a top, another top 20 recruit are going to play for the Cowboys next year. And uh, I gotta be honest. I'm just not feeling great about next year already. You know, it's not the kind of footing, but I, I see this all the time. I see it on ESPN. I see it on Twitter, you know, all the Oklahoma state fans upset and we draw back to Brad Underwood's only season with Oklahoma state where he went 0-6 to open up conference play, then went on a nine-game winning mm-hmm. streak to basically get in the tournament. If Oklahoma State's able to do that, that would be awesome and impressive and, I mean, almost magical, you know, as you would say, right? But absolutely, this team doesn't look anything like it's able to put up points. I mean, it's just, I watched us against Iowa State, right? Watched the whole game front to back. We scored 82. That's the most amount of points we've scored in 2020, you know? Um, and going back before then, it, I mean, it doubles some of the games we've played so far, right? And I, I know West Virginia is tough, but that makes that TCU game so much weird that we played back on the 11th. Like we, we only scored 40 against TCU. They're not, you know, they're nothing special. TCU's, you know, fourth in the conference. They're four and two overall, but I mean, they're not, they're not the greatest. Iowa State got their second win in conference play against us 
last night, I think it was, Tuesday, or excuse me, it was Tuesday, I forget, but I think it was a couple nights ago. Uh-huh. And then Texas got their second conference win of the season against Oklahoma State at home, generally where we hold our own in Gallagher-Iba and are all good to go. So from an Oklahoma State fan perspective, I understand anyone's annoyed, and I understand anyone who wants to be optimistic and say, "Let's, hey, you know what? We can go nine, get it right off, right off nine straight games, and all of a sudden be back in this." But it's going to be an uphill battle, you know. I mean, we still have to go play Baylor on the road. We still got to go play at KU. We still have to go play at OU. And I, I know we get KU at home, you know, pretty quickly here while they've got some guys suspended. And I know. You know, we'll get, you know, at OU's, you know, not too far away. We can get TCU still, all type of stuff. But it's just, it's it's going to be an uphill battle. I don't see any other way around it. The Big 12 is also just really good this year, too. Yeah, and that's, like you just said, the Big 12 is a very competitive conference. I mean, you can't have an off night because anybody can win any type of game that you play. Um, Kansas, obviously, is, is has always been the team of the conference, but... I mean, they can't even take a night off because they could go somewhere and a team's always going to be up to play them. So um, the Big 12 is an extremely tough conference and it definitely um, is, is something that you can't take lightly, when, especially when, when you're OSU. Like, you need a win. You're desperate for a Big 12 win. And um, the longer you wait, I mean, the longer you're going to panic and wait and say, oh my gosh, are we not going to win a Big 12 game this year? Um, but along with what you said about the scoring, Something that I've noticed, and I'm sure a lot of OSU fans have as well, they do not have a guy that can take over a game at the end. They just they don't have a go-to guy. And I think that's something that they really struggle with because if they had that guy that can take over, uh, for example, a couple years ago, Jawan Evans, they had that guy. He could take over a game and help them you know, make the big shots at the end or make those plays um, to give us a big win or, or put us in that position. And, and that's something that I think OSU's really struggled at this year. Um, I actually went to the game when OSU played Baylor this weekend. We dominated yeah. pretty much the entire game. We literally were making big shots. We, we played really good defense. And then there was just very little stretches where Baylor was making pretty much all everything they put up. But we just didn't have an answer for them. And, and we left them back in the game. And, and down the stretch, like I just said, we didn't have a guy that took over and put us in that position to win the game. And I think that's where um, we're having a lot of struggles. So I don't know if we need to design it around one guy, but what's working, what, what is not working right now is, is what's putting us in this position and in a big hole. Um, and I know you mentioned the turnaround that Brad Underwood had when, when we started 0-6, but like you said, I, that, that was like something that happens very rarely, and I don't see it happening again. Um, it'd be great, be awesome, but it's all going to start with getting that first win, and then maybe, maybe everything comes into place. They they pull off a couple wins here and there, but um, yeah, you just got to keep improving, improve the guys for next year. Get get the freshmen some playing time at this point because those are the guys who are going to get a lot of playing time next year, and, and we need those guys with some big impactful minutes when when Cade and um, our other big recruits are are in Stillwater next year. Definitely, and you just mentioned one of the guys who helped take Oakland State on that run with Brad Underwood, Juwan Evans, and mm-hmm. that that was the guy who was, okay, Oakland State, let's back, I mean, you know, the common storyline was Oakland State backed off defense a little bit, stopped pressuring just so much all the time, 
and then was able to rely more on just team defense in the paint and let the guard, you know, let the other opposing guard shoot a little bit more. But Jawan Evans was on that team who was first team all Big 12 his freshman year. So it's it's hard for me to go. It's hard, it's hard for me to have a lot of faith because of exactly what you said as well. And I know we're reiterating a lot of the same points, but there's not a Jawan Evans on this team. There's not a guy who is who I trust with the ball in his hands when we're down six just to go get us a bucket and get us back in it. You know, there's not a guy that I trust there. And also on that team, looking through here, we had Jeffrey Carroll, who wasn't too bad, Devon Dillard, who I think got dismissed that year, um, but Leighton Hammonds mm-hmm. was on that team as well, and, you know, Brandon Averett, you know, a little bit here and there, Dezogba was actually on that team. So I guess it's kind of part of it for me is, like, that team had some of these guys that now, after they've, you know, after they've been after they've graduated, excuse me, I look back and I go, oh, this, these guys were pretty, you know, these guys were good guys for the team. Phil Forte was on the team too. You know, I mean, I keep going. But if you're yeah. an Oklahoma State fan, you know Jawan Evans. You know, um, you know, you know Phil Forte. You know Leighton Hammonds. You know Jeffrey Carroll. And you know, you probably also know Tavares Shine a little bit. You know, and I can keep going, right? Brandon Averett probably rings a bell. You know, I don't think. Gasson was yeah, Gasson was really not helping us out too much, but um, but I mean, I, I'm bringing up guys that are that are names, right? And maybe we're wrong. Maybe you know, Oklahoma State wins this weekend against Texas A&M. You know, all of a sudden we're just as confident as possible, and we win our Big Twelve SEC matchup game. But on the other hand, I. I don't see a lot of light right now, is I guess my mm-hmm. point. Like the Baylor game was like, oh my gosh, we played the number one team over in yeah. the country at home and only lost by seven, uh seven or eight, excuse me, and we scored sixty eight points. That's that's great. You know, that's awesome. Yes. But on the other yeah. hand, I go, Okay, but then we weren't able to follow it up in the next game to to win against Iowa State, who has a really know. good guard, but I mean, Iowa State had won one, you know, one out of their five Big Twelve games before that. Before the game we played them, only one yep. they had won. So it's tough. And, and there's a lot of games that you know, as a fan, if you're a homer or just a regular fan, you say, "Oh, we should have won that game." Well, we should have won that game. But that Baylor game at home, we really should have won. Like I said, we we have led basically the entire game until maybe seven minutes or less left and and when we let them back in it we gave them all the all the momentum and, and we just lost it um we really took our foot off the gas and and like i said they they made their shots we we missed our opportunities and and we let baylor um off the hook on that on that weekend but um one quick thing i wanted to touch on really i know i didn't yeah. mention it i know you didn't either um the play from our seniors this year has has kind of been disappointing like i i expected McGriff and Lindy Waters to really like take off even more, have that leadership um, and and make big shots in big situations. But I feel like they've been just really inconsistent. And and I'm not going to harp too much on Dezagua because he's just kind of like a three point shooter. You know, make big shots at certain times. He's not really like your go to guy. So I wouldn't really harp on him. But I really did think McGriff and uh, Lindy Waters would have taken a step even even more. Uh, forward than than previous years because like i said they have that senior leadership uh they're teaching the young guys um how to get some experience in these big games and i, I just don't see it this year I, I haven't seen it from them and that's been maybe part of part of the reason why we've gone this long losing streak um but we've, we absolutely need to just get that win get off this losing streak you know get some get some good um 
good moments going and hopefully pull off a couple of extra runs. I mean, at this point, you're just hoping to at least finish above 500 and go into the year, um, which hopes to be an exciting year next year um, on a good on a good track. So definitely, and, and like you said, I, I guess to touch on as well is that I really expected Lindy Waters to be that guy this year. Coming in, oh, yeah. I was coming in back of my mind. I was going, and, and I don't think this is going to catch anyone off guard. But I went, you know what? I think Lindy Waters could take that step. He played against a team that made it to the national championship. And he closed it out against the stretch incredibly well at Texas Tech, you know, in, in last season. And that was impressive. That was impressive on its own, really, really good. And now I go, where's that dude? Like, where is that guy who is not afraid to go get his own shot, et cetera? And I don't know if it's, hey, Isaac's so good, you know, Isaac likely is so good, he, you know, we need to defer to him or, or, or what it is. But to me, it was, all right. Under five minutes left, he needs someone to go get a, you a bucket. Lindy Waters is that guy in clutch time, and he's kind of that guy the whole game. And it just hasn't happened. And I expected Cameron Griff to, to be really helpful, and I expected Zagwa to probably hit about as many threes as he has recently, but before, when he was on a cold streak, he didn't expect that this season. you know. But I guess I'm not as mad at Zagwa, but I'm, I'm still I'm still yeah. mad that we're not. You know, I, I had high hopes for the season, right. but – they weren't they weren't crazy high hopes. They were just kind of like, let's get to the tournament hopes. Yeah, get to and the tournament, maybe win a game. Maybe win a game. And now I'm going, oh, man. You know, yeah. I know Kate's coming to Oklahoma State. You know, I see that like every day, which is awesome. And it's a great right. reminder. But I'm also going, man, I really wish this team was just, a, it was just, just somewhat better. I, you know, like yeah. when we played against Ole Miss, I remember after that, I was talking to my dad sitting on the couch and I was going, man. We look really, really good. My dad's like, yeah, yeah. I was even able to fast forward some of the game because we had on tape delay and, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of kind of see some highlights when I went back and forth just to finish it up. Like, I felt that confident that I could just fast forward through the game and it wasn't going to get close. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it was an awesome game. Like, we played really well. Yeah. And one thought both of us had is, what if your name leaves after this season? You know, what if he just is gone? What if he doesn't stick around for the next sure. year or whatever? We have come so far from that, I believe, October, no, November, excuse me, November game Uh over Thanksgiving weekend to now where Yor isn't in the starting lineup. That's how Mm. far we've come. Don't know what's happened with him as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a pretty crazy um, thought that you brought up because, yeah, he was was dominating at at the beginning of the year. You almost thought he he could go to the draft after the season and potentially get drafted, and now you're like, wow like it's been that much of a drop-off so i don't know like i said i hope for the remaining um remainder of the season give these guys that are coming back um some more experience because that's what that's what you need as a a college player you you need the experience like if you get that experience playing in games um you're going to be more comfortable and and getting these guys exposure right now can only hope can only get us better so um can only hope your improves likely. And then of course these freshmen um, that will come off the bench. So definitely. Well, kind of wrapping up with it. What's your prediction for the rest of the season of Oklahoma state men's basketball? Yeah. Um, won't be as, as nice as I like. If I would have said earlier in the season, I will have to change those predictions a bit, but I actually do like our chances against A&M this weekend. I think we'll get a win. I think we'll, we'll go in there. Um, a and is not that great of a team this year. They're 
I'd say they're pretty even with us. Yeah. Um, I said, we'll go in there. We'll, we'll get a win. And then, um, who knows? We, we love playing Kansas at home. We love to beat them at home. For some reason, we just always bring Kansas down the wire or beat them. Um, and especially at Gallagher Arena. So, and their suspension. They so they've got two guys Seriously. out. Like, as crazy as this season's been, I wouldn't even be surprised if that's our first Big 12 win because that's OSU for you. So, um, yeah, get a win this weekend against AM. Take that momentum into, uh, into Stillwater when you play Kansas on Monday. And then who knows? Maybe you win a couple of extra Big 12 games. Um, I don't know. I'd say we'll probably finish anywhere between 8th and 10th at this point just because it's going to be too hard to finish anywhere in the top five, obviously. Uh, there's a lot of good Big 12 teams, as you mentioned. I think we'll fall somewhere in between 8 and 10. Um, who knows? Anything can happen in the Big 10 tournament – or, sorry, Big 12 tournament. Yeah. Um, so maybe they'll win a game. Maybe they'll win two. Who knows? At that point, you're, you're just hoping to win any game to, to clinch a spot in the tournament. I'm not saying we're going to do it, but hey, it's happened before. Teams go on a run. Totally with you. I mean, it's uh, – I just looked it up real quick here. And Oakland State has 12 games left in the Big 12 you know, before the end of the season. Um, you know, I mean, we play OU twice. We only have to play Baylor one more time, thank goodness. Only West Virginia one more time. Only Texas Tech one more time. Only Iowa State one more time. I keep going. Um, but thank goodness that's how it works out. As Oakland State has 12 more games remaining this season um, against Big 12 teams, 13, 13 games overall this season remaining. I am with you. I don't think te- I don't think AM's that great. I think this should be a tough win. You know, it'd be a good win on you know Saturday especially. But I, I, I just think it'd be a tough one for us to pull out. I do think we can do it, though, um, even though it's you know, at their place. But I still think we can pull it off because A&M is not – I think they're one game over 500 on the season. Yep, they're one game over 500 on the season. And they're 3-3 three and three in SEC play. And I don't know who they played so far, but it, they're, they're not killing it. They're not unbeaten. They're not ranked. We're not playing them, you know, all that type of stuff. And I think we can hang with – we hang with the team for hitting shots, and really, I noticed in the Iowa State game in the first part of the game we're hitting shots. Same thing with the Baylor game in the first part of the game we're hitting shots, and really got to keep it up in the second half. Of course, that's what you want to do. Of course, you know if you could just magically flip a switch and hit every shot, you would. But I think this Oklahoma State team will, you know, be able to ramp it up a little bit, play a little bit easier of an opponent than they're used to. You know, doesn't have a top five draft pick on it. Is the number one team in the country as well, and really play good this weekend, and then hopefully you get. AM and then hey, come back on Monday. We always play KU tough, like you said, and hopefully pull it out against KU as well. I think it's we have I think we have a really good shot. And with them missing two players after that brawl um, at K State, which was unfortunate, but after that, I, I think that, you know, now they've they're missing two guys against us, and that could be the first win of the Big Twelve play. So totally with you there, Alexi. Um, I know we also want to talk here about Nolan Arenado's contract situation, just flipping over the MLB. How do you how do you think this situation is going to work out for the Rockies and Arenado? Yeah, Calvin, that's a very, very interesting uh situation going down in Colorado right now. Um I I didn't see this coming. I mean, before the offseason, there was always rumors that if Colorado wasn't really all in to um to contend for a World Series title, that they would consider flipping Arenado. And Arenado, you know, has been it's been reported that he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. Um, so I I don't know the full reports. I don't know what really went down, but 
basically Arenado was very, very pissed off at the general manager. Um, apparently the general manager disrespected Arenado and they're just kind of butting heads. From what I've been hearing, I don't see how you can keep Arenado at this point. And I don't see how Arenado would even want to be there. Um, this just sounds like a really bad breakup. Um, the thing is, how are you going to get him out? And how is the team going to give the Rockies what they want? Because the Rockies are going to ask for a haul of prospects, or at least you know they're they're going to want they're going to want a lot. Um, so this is a very intriguing situation, especially with it being January twenty third, a couple of weeks away from pitchers and or catchers and pitchers reporting to spring training. And then, of course, the players will report sometime in February. So, I don't know. If if I'm the owner, I sit down with the GM and Arenado, see what you can do to work it out. But I just don't see any any relationship being repaired there. And I think Arenado is really fed up with the whole Rockies organization. Um, true, if, if it was my opinion, and I'm going to give it to you right now, I think he wants out. I think if he had to say, um, he would he would say, absolutely, get me out. Um, I want to go to a contender. Please trade me to somebody who um, is in contention to potentially make the playoffs year in, year out. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting situation. I think it'll pick up more in the next couple weeks um, once we get closer to spring training. But I think it's something the Rockies are also looking at for themselves, too, because they just signed this guy last year to a major um, contract extension worth over $200 million. So this isn't something that they can just, you know, give Joe Blows away, get get Joe Blows in return for Arenado. They they're going to need something, and they've made it a very um, they made it very known that they want major league ready talent um, in that deal. So, like I said, they're not going to take it lightly. Um, it'll be interesting to see that what happens. I I don't know what's going to happen. All right, so I've got it. Manny Machado for Nolan Arenado, straight up, just straight him, <laughs> straight straight across. I'm sure San Diego would be just so mad to lose Machado and you know nine nine more years and whatever it is oh, yeah. um, to Arenado. I mean, honestly, I think both guys are great players, but Arenado's been like a, a what Golden Glove winner like seven <sighs> times in a row. He's just he is he is better. Um, granted, I don't think a ton, but. That'd be a funny one, and then because they get paid close to about the same amount per year, but of course Machado's on a longer deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the famous, I think the famous deal behind Bryce Harper's. But I would say if you're the Rockies, yeah, you got to get a lot back in that situation. I I just don't know what team's going to send you a lot back when they know what situation they're in. They know you aren't able to repair this relationship super well, and you kind of got to go. So I, I, it's one of those situations where it's like, you know, I don't want to, what's another, you know, when like Kyrie left Boston, right? It was the other team who was asking for Kyrie Irving, you know, in return kind of knew that he wanted out. He made a public demand basically. And I know Aaron hasn't like come forth and just said strictly, I want out. I want a straight gun. But as you and I both seen, there are plenty of reports that say, that's basically what's going on. We just haven't heard it verbatim from him. And here's another big part of this whole situation. Arenado can opt out of his contract after the 2021 season. So if the Rockies don't make a move for him, um, he could he could be like, all right, F it. I'm out. I'm going to go try to get a bigger contract in free agency, and you guys are going to get nothing in return. So it could be in the, in the Rockies' hands 
maybe not this year if Arenado decides to want to stay there for this year. Um, but I think it could come down to that last year of his contract where he can opt out. And if he does do that, um, that'll be interesting because will the Rockies really pursue um, some prospects and try to make a big trade? That's what we're going to have to see uh, and, and how serious Arenado is about wanting to be out of Colorado if he is. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a tough situation for the Rockies to be in, and I think it's understandable, though, as well. I would just I would just say if I was the Rockies, please just don't trade him within the division. You know, don't oh, yeah. don't let him be that guy who that's your biggest nightmare. You know, goes mm-hmm. to the Diamondbacks, you know, the Giants or the, know, Dodgers. the Dodgers or whatever. I mean, I I feel like he could play for the Dodgers. I feel like the Dodgers could get every single person possible. So. Absolutely. <laughs> I would rather see him go to San Francisco, the Giants, or heck, you know what? He can maybe play second base for the Padres since the left side of their infield's good. Yeah. Um, or Machado could flip over, et cetera. I don't know. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's it's going to be a tough situation for Colorado. If anything, I would say trade him to, you know, an AL team, if it's me personally as a Padres fan, and get him as far east as possible. So, heck, trade him to the Red Sox for Mookie Betts or something. I don't know. Just get him gone. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Like I said, um, uh, I hear so many reports and rumors that I don't even know what to believe anymore. So I'll never believe anything until I see it. That's what I've kind of come to. But there's teams out there that would absolutely take a take a try on him. It's just will they want to give up that much prospect slash money to uh, get one of the best third basemen in uh, in Major League Baseball? Yeah. Totally with you. All right, so now we got to talk about the inevitable, right? The team in the trash can. The teams in the trash can. I'm not sure what the best intro is for it, but of course, by now, you know I'm talking about the Houston Astros banging on a trash can to tell pitches and report from it. As uh, there we go. Uh, I think yep. I think someone's stealing signs, Calvin. Is it a curveball? It's an off-speed pitch coming in. It's an off-speed pitch. <laughs> <laughs> but at that, at that point, I'm totally with you, and I know you haven't even said anything yet, but I know we've been talking about this before, is that I cannot believe the Astros did this. I cannot believe it, they got away with it for so long. And I also want to ask you, what are your thoughts on a supposed vibrator being on um, Jose Altuve and maybe a couple other guys' chests as well? Yeah, let me just start by saying the Houston Astros are absolute trash, just like their trash cans that they used for their little cheating scandal. Um, any team that uses um, technology to cheat in a game is absolutely ridiculous. They should be completely punished to extreme measures, and they should never be allowed to play baseball again. Guys are suspended for taking PEDs, a.k.a. steroids. So, here's my problem with this whole situation. Yes, Major League Baseball investigated everything. They handed down suspensions to the general manager, to the manager, um, fined Houston Astros $5 million, which to me is nothing because those teams make millions of dollars every year. So, to me, that $5 million is whatever. Okay, here's $5 million. Um, And then, of course, they lost their first and second round draft picks for, I believe it was – this year and next year. So great major league baseball got out there, made it, made an announcement, did what they did, but they didn't ban the manager 
or the general manager who, you know, are, are the main leaders of this, who, who constructed this entire thing and who are, who's supposed to supposedly be in charge. Why, if, if they were so, you know, if they were supposed to be in charge and, and, and tell guys what to do, why did they never make an announcement? Why did these guys, why did the owner have to go so far to fire these, these people in the organization? Major League Baseball sort of banned them from professional baseball because a one-year suspension, really, one year for cheating and, and winning a World Series, I think that's ridiculous. I think these guys should have been banned. They banned Pete Rose for cheating um, and managing Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Pete Rose, I, I know most people should know about this, but Pete Rose managed the Cincinnati Reds and was gambling on games on his, from his own team. Banned them from baseball, a guy can't even get into the Hall of Fame. So why should guys who are absolutely involved in a cheating scandal not be banned from baseball as well. I mean, if you're going to go with one guy being banned, why don't you go with the other guys? Um, so I don't, I don't think they handled it to the best that they could have. And I absolutely believe that players should have been suspended for this. Like I said, um, cheating in any type of way is, is bad for the game. It's, it's terrible integrity. And if you're going to suspend guys, like I said, for taking PEDs and steroids and, and talk so bad of them, why are you not going to uh, call out guys and, that cheated in a game by using technology to win a World Series and you're, and you're not going to punish them at all? I, I think that's a joke. I think MLB messed up there. And um, that would really set a message to all the other players around Major League Baseball if they would have suspended players for the, their involvement in this. Yeah, man, there's a lot to unpack there. So, I, I get so one. You definitely believe the managers and the players were. I mean, the players weren't suspended, but the managers were not suspended long enough. Is what you're saying, right? Absolutely. I, I think okay. one year is like I said. Everyone knows a year can fly by like it's nothing, and yeah, it's gonna suck for them in their careers. But they were involved in this. They're the leaders of this organization. They should pay the punishment even more. Make a statement to Major League Baseball. Make everyone around baseball say, oh, my gosh, wow, these guys, Major League Baseball is, is, is setting a big uh, example to not do this again. And and by doing this, they're going to ban them. No, they give them a one-year suspension. Sure, another team may never hire them again. But, I mean, you're, you're looking at it like this as a one-year suspension. I, I just don't see that as being enough. Well, to kind of back that up, though, what do you make of A.J. Hinch supposedly destroying two TVs that were you know part of the scandal yeah. and not – yeah, you know, I, I did see that. Yeah. I did. Um, I thought that was interesting, but he still didn't do enough to put this to an end. So he wasn't. It, yes, he may not have agree, agreed with it, but he also never went above and beyond and said, "Hey, let's cut this out. We're not doing this. This is not the type of team we are." He never. He never put an end to it. Gotcha. Okay. So I guess the other thing is, is that from my perspective, I think the players should be, yeah, have at least been suspended for at least you know, some type a of season yes. or you know, half a season or whatever it is. But at least, uh, you know, suspension. I guess the, the thing with the MLB is how do you know which players were always doing it? How do you know which players were always the ones, you know, watching the film? How, did, how many guys were really benefiting from it? And I know I've seen numbers of – this was their home average versus their away average in the World mm-hmm. Series and the playoffs, all type of stuff. And it's 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 really high for some players for the Astros. Um, but then again, it's you know certain pitchers you face, all type of stuff too. So there's a lot of variables that go into it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what what do you make of 
the idea that a lot of MLB teams steal signs. You know, like it's not not an out of the park thing, stealing signs, all this stuff, that type of stuff. I understand the Astros take it to such an extreme where they're banging on the trash can and you know, all that type of stuff it is different. Mm-hmm. But what do you make of other teams supposedly stealing signs? Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that is something I wanted to um, explain about that. So, sign stealing in game has always been something that happens in the Major League Baseball. So, like, if a guy's standing at second base, um, he might be able to see the signs and he'll relay it on to another player. That is different than using technology in a game, having so much of an advantage. If you have, if you have a camera sitting out in center field with the camera literally looking at what the catcher's um, making his signs every single time he makes a pitch, that's such an advantage. And then if you have someone relaying those messages from the TV inside, I mean, like I said, you're using technology to help your team um, steal signs and help your team get that much of an advantage. There's a major difference of that from on field. That's been, that's been going on for years and, and players even admit that. And they say that's just part of the game that you, that's even something you, that happens in high school ball, like college ball. Um, so that's something that like, I don't really see much of a problem about because you can control that. Um, if, if, if you're a, if you're a catcher and you're smart, you know, to go to the, to the pitcher and, and make those changes when you need to of, of certain signs. But like I said, using the technology, that is just such an advantage. And it's something that major league baseball has said before, like you are not to use technology to, to steal signs in these types of situations. And, um, I just think that's a like it's, this is a major difference. It, it's it's something that you just you just can't do it. it, I, it I'm just really irritated about the whole thing because it helped Houston win a World Series, and just looking back at that, it's like yeah, you do see all their offensive numbers from from home in a way, and it's like you you see that, and, and it's like well, my like they literally were were doing it and knowingly doing it. Players got to be punished. They, they just have to. There's there's no way that you can't punish players. Any way, if they were involved in any shape, way, or form, they need to be punished. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It's just um, I also feel how the MLB is going right now, too, with it. You know, like, it's just going to be hard to tell which players dealt with, you know, how far of a severity of it, right? And, yeah, we've got the video of Altuve saying, don't rip off my jerseys. He's running, you know, to home plate. Um, and I believe the ALCS at the time, you know, when he hit that walk-off home run. But you also don't know if that was, you know, every player had one on the whole game as well and, you know, whatever it is too. So that type of stuff, I, I, I know it's, you know, it's kind of back and forth. But the last guy right now who hasn't been, um, who hasn't said anything, you know, I, I guess say anything's different, but he hasn't been, um, get, you know, given his, you know, heads up how many games is going to be suspended or if it's going to be years or whatever. And that's Alex Cora. We don't know how, mm-hmm. you know, how involved he was. Um, you know, he can reports all the stuff, but supposedly his suspensions haven't come down yet. What do you think, based on what we've already heard of AJ and the GM for the Astros having a year, what do you think Cora's could be? Three years, five years? <sighs> what, what, you know, maybe it's just double and just two. What, what do you think? Yeah, that and that's a really interesting point because – um, in the reports, it sounds like, well, it doesn't sound like it. It is pretty much clear that Alex Cora is the ringleader of this. Like he's the one that created this and the one that wanted this to happen and, and set all this up. So honestly, if I had to make a prediction about this, I think Alex Cora is going to get very, very harsh punishments. 
I wouldn't be surprised if he's banned from baseball because this is such a um, big scandal that Major League Baseball wouldn't want to happen again. And this is, see, yes, I would have loved to see the Houston um, general manager and manager receive the same punishment because, like I said, they're um, at that type of level in the organization that they should never let that happen. Um, but for a guy like Alex Cora, who was the ringleader, and they have complete evidence that he was, um, this is a message that MLB can send and say, hey, we're not going to tolerate this. Um, do not let this happen again in our sport. And if it does, you're banned for life, just like Alex Cora got. So I would not be shocked if he got that type of punishment. And he, I believe he does deserve it. He, believe, he deserves that 100%. And just to be clear, if the Astros had not done this, but it had been the Cardinals, you'd still be saying, even though even if it's your own team, right? Just to clear out the biases of any that may exist. Mm-hmm. Even if yeah, you know, it, the Cardinals and you know, whoever absolutely. it is, you'd still be saying, hey, ban for life. Yeah, right? and, and it would suck because like uh, the Cardinals are my favorite team. Uh, you know that. Like that's my di- yeah. I'm a diehard Cardinals fan, and you don't want to see that. But but I'm a huge baseball fan too, and you don't want to see this. And, and it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to your organization. Like I would not want any of my, my players or team to be associated with that type of cheating. Like I, I'd want to know that we won the right way. I don't want to look back and, and have everybody dogging us because we use technology to steal signs and win a World Series. Like you're never going to be looked at the same. So of course, yeah. If this happened to anybody in the Cardinals organization, I would I would say the same exact thing. Like that we don't need that in the sport, and um, it's just total disrespect. And 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 fans, you know, fans see that every day too. Like that, no one, no real fan of the sport wants to see that. And and they would, some homers may not agree, but I think deep down they would. Gotcha. All right. Well, kind of wrap it up then with this as well. How far do you think the Red Sox were into this? You know, how how much of an idea do we have that Cora was not only doing this with the Astros, but also to the Red Sox, you know, when they won their World Series recently as well? Yeah, um, that report is still still looks like they're doing some investigating on that. And it'll be interesting to see what comes out about it. I think there was some involvement because Alex Cora was just in Houston the year before, went to Boston, and they won the World Series. So there's definitely some speculation that they were participating in this type of um, um, cheating. Don't know exactly to the extent. Maybe maybe they went lower and didn't do as much you know, with the technology parts. But um, I, I think they had some type of, of cheating during that time. And, and, if, and if they did, they should absolutely be, be punished for that. All right. Well, I mean, that's pretty succinct itself. Yeah. One thing I wanted to add um, to, because I just think it's very uh, hilarious as, as how Houston's reacted to this. So um, Houston had a, um, I think it was some type of fan fest or they had some type of media thing um, over the weekend. I don't know if you saw any of the tweets about the players. Did yeah. you see any of that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So Alex Bregman, big, big, bad Alex Bregman is um, always talking and chirping and, and, and trying to be funny throughout the season and great, do what you want, but don't sit there in a, in an interview and answer the same exact question the same way, because you don't want to talk about it. Own up to it. Tell the media that, yeah, we messed up. We, we did this, we did that. I'm not happy about it. Don't answer the same question because you're a coward and, and, and afraid. And you know that you, that you absolutely cheated just the way that the Houston players have, have handled this, it's been really, really annoying to me. And um, 
I don't know. I, I just feel like it's they, they need to be punished. And I know, I know it's hard to find out exactly what guys did it, but just the way they're reacting, they're just being so arrogant and and acting like it wasn't even a big deal. And and to to think that they could get a um, to get off on this, like no no penalty on their end, it's just really frustrating. Definitely, I I hope there's a penalty for the players. You know, I hope it's not that the now all of a sudden you have guys who are getting suspended for doing hit by pitches on the Astros players. You know, I hope that's not what happens. And right now I've seen enough on Twitter, and I know it's only a social media platform, etc. But still, I've seen enough of other MLB players come out and go, dude, this is crazy. That's what was happening against me. That's what was going on. Oh, I hear it kind of here in this clip and just being furious. You know what I'm saying? I, as, as I would be as well. The, the one thing I would say is, is that as a previous high school pitcher myself here, I would rather face a guy who had taken steroids and go against him than some dude who knows what pitch I'm going to throw or knows what kind of pitch I'm going to throw or whatever. You know, I would rather try to still beat somebody, but know in the back of my head maybe there was just, you know, I, I could have still gotten it by him rather than knowing, you know, what's coming. You know, oh, hey, stay back on this one because it's an off-speed pitch. Or, you know, hey, it's a fastball or whatever. And I think that that knowledge of knowing that during the games has got to be invaluable. It's got to be next to none. And, and it's also just got to be one of those things of, oh, my gosh, if this goes seven games, well, we'll, we'll be good. We got him back at home. Yes. You know, and having that confidence, that type of stuff. And then you see several of the Dodgers players go like, "Oh, dude, my that my when I pitched, you know, against the Astros that year, that's why it went down." Do you kind kind of to round it all out here? Would you do, do you want the Astros to hand back their World Series title? Is that because in, in my mind, I've always been one of those guys of like the Fab Five at Michigan. I know who that is. I know what all that happened there. I know the Bainers are not, but I. But it's almost put the banners back up and then put an asterisk next to it. That's kind of how I see it, at least. Of In case in we're 100 years from now and someone wants to know about the 2017 World Astros, excuse me, World Series at champion Astros, they can look it up and see, oh, I wonder how that happened. And we'll probably be telling them in 50 years from now, oh, if someone's curious, that's what happened. But I'm not a fan of taking it, you know, taking it down, taking it back, whatever, or doing some goofy thing where it was vacated or it was awarded to the Dodgers. Some, all that type of stuff just seems goofy to me. I'm much more of throw up, you know, a red X next to it or whatever because it counts, but it doesn't move on. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, you. That, that's a good point. Um, it, 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 with the part about, like, stripping the title and then giving it to the Dodgers, it's like, yeah, like, like if I was if, – if it was my team in that situation, like the Cardinals, I'd be like – we didn't win, so I don't honestly want this World Series because they cheated. It, it could be something where you just put like a mark on it and you say it's tainted. Like they they won the World Series, but this is how they won it, and and this is how it's going to look, and no one's going to respect it. So um, enjoy your one World Series because that was your first World Series, and enjoy always being ripped up for it because you cheated and you used technology, Houston. So take that to the grave and keep watching James Harden travel every time he touches the ball. And it is getting tough to watch James Harden. And, uh, oh, my gosh, I really wanted to watch Russell Westbrook. I was like, you know what? Russ is the guy for Oklahoma City, the whole thing. And I'm turning to Rockets games. I'm seeing Harden take 30 to 50 steps before he gets oh, to yeah. the basket. 
And, I and, and I mean, like, I get it. Like, he's, he's playing the game, you know, kind of the, the way you play it to draw fouls yeah. and all type of stuff. It's not a bad strategy, but it is not an easy one to watch. Well, not, um, at not at all. Well, well, hey, um, what what else what else we got? You know, Oklahoma State football, Chuba Hubbard, Spencer hey. Sanders, Tylen Wallace. Ooh, you know, I mean, we're gonna bring a national championship ooh. to Stillwater. So Hubbard said, "What are we? <laughs> what are we thinking as we end this one out?" That, ooh, man, I, there's a lot there. There's there's a lot to to talk about with that situation. I'll 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 give you my points, and then let's hear what you think. Okay. Um, I am very, very excited for Oklahoma State basketball, or sorry, Oklahoma State football next season because obviously you just said the three key names and much more talent coming back, which is awesome. We got Chuba Hubbard coming back, uh, Spencer Sanders with another year under his belt, and of course Tylen Wallace, three pro- prolific guys on offense that any any team in college football would love to have. Um, of course, everybody pretty much returning on defense. I mean, there's just a lot to look forward to next year. Um, and honestly, OSU, if they don't make it to the Big 12 championship game, that's a major disappointment. Um, it's going to really piss off a lot of fans, I would think, um, if you bring that much talent back and you can't even make it to the Big 12 championship. So um, definitely going to have some big expectations next year. Um, as you saw, Hubbard was saying that we're bringing a national championship home. You know, I honestly wouldn't have gone as far to say that just because putting that much pressure on yourself could, you know, backfire at you and and just put a big target on your back for other teams that, you know, play you. But, I mean, I love the confidence. I love I love the confidence. Don't get me wrong. Um, I just I just hope that this isn't built up so big and then, you know, we just get let down and it's that kind of year. Um but yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think we have tons of talent coming back. Um, we just need to go out there and 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 play to our 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 strengths. Um, don't play scared. Don't play conservative in big games when you have a chance to win. Because I feel like we have done that in the past. But yeah, uh, love it. Lots lots of talent coming back. Um, lots to look forward to. And I'm hoping that we do at least make it to the Big 12 championship game. And then who knows what what could happen from there. So I'm with you on the Big 12 Championship. I think that is where we got to get. You know, I think there's a lot of guys coming back um, that are that are going to be better than they were last year. Hubbard should only be, theoretically, only be better in this, you know, in his second full year, right? Only have learned more stuff. Um, Casey Dunn is the OC now instead of Sean Gleason. I think that adds another layer of immense success that could happen with the Oklahoma State program too. And then... The last thing, I guess, as well, is I cannot believe Tylen Wallace decided to come back. I just, I really, of all people, I really thought Hubbard and him were both going to go. But I really, I honestly, it just, um, and I, you know, I want to be like a big, like, knock on wood, you know, the whole kind of thing, whatever. But Wallace tore his ACL. His brother, Trayson Wallace, who also came to Oakland State, has torn his ACL multiple times. In fact, so much so that. That's why Trayson doesn't play football anymore, um, which I, I think is something, you know, we it – just, it just seemed interesting to me, you know, that Tylen could just leave, be good, have the year under his belt. He's running for the Blitnikoff Award, tears ACL, you know, whatever. But I, it just is uh, – it's a shocker to me that he came back. And 
I'm really excited for it. I think that only brings Oklahoma State more success. I'm just I'm just amazed. I thought Chuba, hey, maybe, maybe not, depending on what draft grade he gets, etc. And then as more time passed, I went, oh, he's not coming back. But I'm just shocked Tyler came back, really. I mean, I know he's a wide receiver, and you know, I know it's you know, coming to Hubbard's like the guy. Tylen's incredibly good. That Iowa State replay, I've watched a couple times where he catches the ball on a screen pass. That's incredible. Trucks the dude and just keeps it moving. Um, you know, for a wide receiver, that's you know probably about two hundred pounds. So that's just incredible. And you know, I'm really, really happy all these guys are back. I I'm excited to see what Oklahoma State does next year. I'm excited to see what Casey Dunn does next year. And all of a sudden, instead of the football season, last football season. Ending on a bad note and me kind of looking at this um, homecoming ticket I have for the uh, Baylor-Oklahoma State game that sits on my desk <laughs> and me going, man, that was uh, a great game until until it started. You know, <laughs> once it started, it was, an, <laughs> it was a rough game. So homecoming leading up to it was great. Great to be back in Stillwater. But now I'm kind of going, man, I got to plan a trip to go see the first away game Oklahoma State plays next year football-wise at TCU. Yeah. You know, and, like, yeah. really get excited for that because next year, football and basketball, I think Oklahoma State can be incredible. And yes, yes. The only issue is that OU and the rest of the Big 12, for that matter, have not served us well so far in the playoffs. So I'm, I'm curious to see if there is a Pac-12 team that goes undefeated or has a similar record. Like if Utah had won the last game this year or if Alabama had actually beat Auburn in the last game of the year or whatever, if there's something like that where Oklahoma State could be the fourth team in, that's where I get nervous because I know we're in the Big 12 and I know it's not the best conference in the entire football. I'm not going to say it is. The SEC might have us in a couple of years, might not. ACC is not horrible, even though it's Clemson's really the good team. And I'm sure they'll be good next year with Trevor Lawrence as well. And then Big Ten's always tough too, but... I hope we can get in above the Pac-12 team. You know, I hope we got a good enough record because we don't really play anyone next year either um, besides our own Big 12 opponents. I mean, we play um, yeah. Oregon State at home, Tulsa, I believe, at home, and then I forget what the third game is, but I think it's against I think like it's some, yeah, UN really and Mary or something. Nobody team, Mary yeah. Or yeah, so I'm hoping we can have a good enough record, beat good quality opponents, and – OU with their new quarterback, who's actually not a transfer for once. Um, we'll play, of course. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Baylor probably won't be horrible. They were pretty good during this last year, of course. And Texas Tech gives us trouble every couple of years now as well. And, hey, Texas got Sam Ellinger back too. I think Big 12 will be mm-hmm. tough. But I'm hoping we can stay above it. And then it's the Big 12 is just tough enough where – we look like victors amongst a crowded group instead of lone victors against teams that are always beating each other. So that's kind of my hope, at least. And, and uh, it's, it's pretty simple for me. I, I should have said it at the beginning, but for me, it's put up or shut up. Yep. Yeah. You, you got all this talent coming back. I mean, you, you're going to, you're going to, don't get me wrong. OU's going to be good every single year. They, they, they bring in talent and big recruits every single year, but you're, you're, you're going to get OU in a transitional type year because they're bringing in a new quarterback. They're losing Jalen hurts. Um, so I put completely new quarterback. They're coming in with a lot of new guys on offense. They're, they lost some guys in defense. So you're going to catch OU, you know, better off than recent years, at least um, when they had like uh, Baker Mayfield, Kyle, uh, Kyler Murray, and of course Jalen hurts. So like I said, OSU's bringing all this talent back. These guys have all been together. Um, they know each other 
just put up or shut up, make it to the Big 12 championship, win the Big 12, please, with this type of team, and then who knows? But go undefeated, run the table, and you have as good of a chance as anyone else to be in that Final Four. So Definitely. Or, you know what, the way the Big 12 championship works, the way we've seen it in the past from even OU itself – is you can afford to actually lose one game in the season and still win the Big Twelve and get to the playoffs. The oh, yeah. Big Twelve team, I you know, for example, Penn State. I don't think could have said that. I don't think Wisconsin can do that. Even if they're only lost to the Big Twelve championship, I think the SEC and the Big Twelve are one of those two conferences where you can have one loss in your season and still make it to the Final Four. Um, you know, or say, but I'm with you. I just uh, I would love to see us run the table. I'd love to see. Yes. 2011, come back again, and let's begin the Big 12 championship, and then go just win the dang thing. Um, that would just make me ecstatic. So, Oklahoma State fans sit here with my Calvin <sighs> University hat on. Um, I love it. Sponsored. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, anyways, Alexi, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast tonight, dude. Great talking with you. And uh, go follow at Uncle Jed on Twitter. I heard he's uh, tweeting some stuff now. I don't know if you're aware. Of the famous Jed Yorko, um, who played for the, I mean, your, your Cardinals, you know, but then. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, plays yeah I, think, I think he's, I think he's still tweeting out there. I think he's still, still he's tweeting still out there. Yeah. And then <laughs> um, feel free to go follow at Bedlam Brother on Twitter. Um, I've started yelling into a microphone once a week now. And it's me talking to yeah. Calvin. So feel free to go follow at Bedlam Brother on Twitter and get the podcast updates there. And if you're not already, follow at the CGA Tour here on Twitter um, or here on Instagram, depending on where you listen to this from or if it's Facebook. Thanks for being my friend. All right, Lexi, thanks so much for joining me, in, and we'll catch everyone soon. Calvin, thank you. It's been it's been a pleasure. Been good, man.